When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to KTAE AM Elgin, K270CO Round Rock, Texas Sports, The Horn. The Horn. Guests on The Horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. Okay, Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. It is Hook 'em Up. With Ian Rodby on this Tuesday morning, 14 November, we plow along hour three, talking Texas football, the Cowboys and Texans. Good times for all three right now as they're all winning teams with uh, good quarterback play, and that will lead us into a conversation about the Longhorn signal caller, Quinn Yours, which uh, before we get to our headlines, I'll mention this, Rod, to start the uh, the 9 o'clock hour, or 8 o'clock hour, I should say. Uh, our friend Bobby Burton, who we both work with, and um, you're on Inside Texas on their YouTube channel oh, yeah. all the time. We're going to be doing a live stream tonight, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Tuesday oh, live yeah. stream, Tuesday Texas live stream. That'll be tonight from 7 until the questions end. You and I Good and times. Jerry Hamilton. Yes, sir. Always fun on Tuesday night. I had to bail on that last week because I had that head cold. I was dragging me down, but I'll be back tonight. Recovered so we're looking quickly from that, man. Oh, Z-Pack, man. <laughs> Z-Pack. That's <laughs> the magic stuff, huh? Steroids. It took you like three days, and then you were good. Yeah, well, they, it, that's, it, Z-Pack's a good thing, my friend. Uh, that's just, what is it, little, little – uh, uh, antibiotic with steroids, antibiotic on steroids. So, oh, yeah, he man. took, you know, they just do them mm-hmm. in stages. Um, and it knocked it out pretty good, so I'm feeling great. And uh, so we'll be back tonight talking Texas football with you guys on Inside Texas. But yes, sir. here's the interesting story. And yesterday you brought up the conversation about the future of Quinn Ewers, that for most of the season that uh, kind of the assumption is Quinn Ewers would like to be a part of the NFL draft in April, right? That if things go his way and things go well, he could be, you know, as part of the draft class of mm-hmm. 2024. Yeah. And that's just kind of been assumed, especially for folks around that cover Quinn and covered his recruitment and know the family, that that's been kind of the, the trajectory. Well, obviously, this injury here of late and the way the season has played out, according – so yesterday at Inside Texas, Eric Nalin, the uh, publisher there at Inside Texas, had a report, and he's been pretty adamant that he thought Quinn Ewers was gone to the NFL after this year. Uh, that was what his people you – know, his mm-hmm. sources were telling him. Uh, so he wrote a story yesterday saying, guys, not as tap the brakes, tap the brakes, uh, not as confident because of this injury and the way the season's playing out that uh, there's there's a you know more more than a more than a fifty fifty chance that he could be on his way to coming back okay. to Texas. Okay. Well, now Bobby Burton has written a story this morning that uh, here's how he wrote it. He said, following Eric Nolene's report yesterday that he's that he's been hearing more and more likely that Quinn Ewers will return next season. I checked in with some sources with direct knowledge of the situation. Turns out Eric is right. Ewers is leaning towards returning next season wow. heavily. Hmm, heavily. And, and here's the way the quote from Bobby Burton from one of his sources, the decision may have already been made. Uh, it's at least, but at least 90% now. 
the likelihood of a return for a junior season. Outside of yours enjoying his teammates and coaches and genuinely relishing his time on the 40 acres, there's another less sentimental reason. that he the thinking is a third year starting quarterback is what the NFL really wants that's the crux another year of experience or the crux I should say that's another year of experience another year of doing what he did to his body this offseason continuing to improve his footwork quicker throws better reads another year of leading and you get the picture quote unquote okay makes sense though actually it does because we had this debate Mm -hmm. uh, last week about you know a guy like Bo Nix a guy like Michael Penix like Mm -hmm. what is their advantage what does the NFL like about them right now Five or six years of playing college football. That's exactly right. Um, you know, preparing for games, playing games, breaking tape, learning the game, and growing up in the game. Uh, seasoning. Uh, you know, and you know, that's the one thing about Quinn Ewers that is fair to say, because if you're going to come into this draft class, Rod, no matter how this season plays out for Texas, if you put your hat in the ring for this draft class, you're, uh, you're in a crowded space. Yes, you are. You're right about that. And it makes it one of the deepest quarterback drafts in the last 20 years, I mean, they're talking about as many as five quarterbacks, maybe even more, going yeah. in the first round. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah. It um, is. And so it's not necessarily Quinn's having a bad season or anything like that that's dropping his draft stock. It's just more the depth of the quarterback class, and then he's had injuries, so he's missed time on top of that. Yeah, that's going to hurt your draft stock. Yeah. And, so the, the, he, and I think they project him to be a first round, or at least the the, the family wants him to be in the first round. Tra- yes, that's the whole point of fast-tracking him the way they have. What's the point of fast-tracking him if he's going to be a third-rounder? Right. <laughs> you might as well just add come him. on back. Yeah, might as well come on back, make some NIL money, um, and cultivate your craft. So they, they, listen, if they're saying this, or his people, his family, they've done the research. They're, they're talking. Because now, you got to think, now the, the agents, they can have a relationship with these players through NIL. Sure. Now, are they supposed to be talking about professional stuff? Probably not. No. Uh, probably supposed to be talking about Table talk. NIL organization. But, yeah, trust me, off-the-record stuff, there's a lot of conversation about, hey, what are my draft prospects? Who are you talking to in the NFL? The agents have a lot of relationships in the league. So they're probably getting more accurate information now than they've ever gotten about their status and their draft stock. Well, and also what the league is saying about these other quarterbacks, right? Yes, Kate, exactly. You know, Caleb Williams, I mean, the talk this year has been, well, once they fell out of contention, he should have stopped playing, right? Just shut it down. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? What are you hearing about Caleb Williams now? Hey, you know what? Maybe he fumbles too much. Yeah. Uh, maybe he doesn't play on script enough. They're starting yeah. to nitpick him, so he'll still yeah. be the number one pick. But they want reasons not to draft you now. Yeah, of that's, course. Now they're, scouting they're, season. And the more you yeah. play, the more they see those reasons because yeah. he has been turnover prone of yeah. late. But he's, he's trying to play hero ball right now because yeah. his defense is so bad. No question. Uh, at USC. Drake May had a great game last week. Drake May's in the conversation. You know, Shador Sanders, his father's Dion, says he he'll says be back. He says he's coming back, but nah, it depends on that draft grade. Yeah, so again, and now Bo might, you know, as we said to you yesterday, if you're paying attention, the, the, the Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Washington you know, could be for a Final Four spot between Oregon and Washington. It also mm-hmm. could be for the Heisman Trophy right now if yeah, you're looking at be. the odds with Michael Penix and Bo Nix. And both of those guys have put themselves into draftable spots mm-hmm. in the first round as quarterbacks. And yeah. it's, a, it's a deep class. So interesting, great stuff from Bobby Burton at Inside Texas that according to his sources, it's now – approaching 90% that he would be back, which, again, that's the calculated risk, right? You might be in a less crowded space next year, but, you know, as we said, you're going to lose all of your top targets this year, right? Because Xavier Worthy's going to the draft. A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, 
Jay Jordan Whittington. Jay gone, yeah. So, you know, and now Jonathan Brooks is hurt. And, you know, when does he come back healthy and able to help your team? Might be mid-year next year. So, yeah, one thing I will say, just like you got A.D. Mitchell on a transfer portal, and you talked about yesterday he might be the best. <laughs> if you're ranking transfer portal acquisitions across the country, hard to find one that's been more impactful than at a position other than quarterback uh, that's been more impactful than uh, A.D. has been for the Texas offense. Um, but you can – wide receiver is one of those positions. I've called it the deepest position in football at any level. You can get really good talent at wide receiver through the transfer portal. Think of all the guys that we, all the teams we played, and all the players you've been like, well, that kid transferred from USC. He transferred from this place. And everybody's got transfer receivers now because they're so deep there. Yeah, and the kid from TCU, Savion Williams, that guy was unbelievable. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, Who's so, this man jacked out uh, in Houston, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got it from like, what, USC or something? Yeah, transfer? yeah. yeah. You, you can get good wide receivers. And Texas, my point is, Texas is going to have to do it. They, they are. Have, they might have to get two of them out of there. Well, especially a veteran. And, and who knows what the, the situation is with Isaiah Nair, right? I mean, he's, he hasn't yeah. cracked the rotation this year, but he would still have eligibility at That's Texas. That's a great point, yeah. Uh, so he, you know, Jonte Cook, DeAndre. Um, Moore. DeAndre Moore. Yep. Uh, Ryan, Wingo. Young, Ryan Wingo. Ryan Wingo, who's you, coming too. in as a five-star that's yeah. already committed. Good one there, Ty. So, yeah, that's a good conversation. And obviously that will lead to Arch Manning, Malik Murphy, crowded quarterback room. All of those things and those oh, – these yeah. are first-world problems, right? Hey, I'm glad. Oh, yeah, we're happy about that. Hey, by the way, we ain't worried. We, we don't stress about that until the offseason right now. Let's stress about the stuff in front of us. <laughs> Just yes. Texas being able to close out games and uh, have the killer instinct and finish games and clutch moments. Uh, that's But you're right. That's And you know what? For, give Sark a lot of credit. I mean, this is – a, it's a problem, but as you pointed out, it's not a an issue. It's not a third world problem because that's what Texas was dealing with before. So now, you know, it's likely I think Malik's probably going to be the odd man out here if he comes back. I mean, that's just a likelihood. Well, and the, and the experience he gained here, yep, you know, got some the, film. There's film out there, and he may who knows if he plays again this this year. We'll see. But at the same time, yeah, there sure. will be suitors for Malik Murphy oh. this off season, and I would have guessed based on what he's done for the program this year that Sark would try to help him find a good spot, too, right, so. if he wants to yeah. go because it's be Quinn and, and Arch Manning as your quarterback room moving forward. And especially a kid from California, there's going to be a lot of opening, open yep. starting quarterback jobs on the West Coast. Yep, and starts bringing in two quarterbacks. He's got K.J. Lacey's bringing in, and uh, what's Trey Owens? Trey Owens is the 2024 class. He's out of Side Fair. Yeah. And K.J. Lacey's the next year. Yeah, 2025. Yeah. 25 so. out of the state of Alabama. Okay, let's get to the other headlines. That's an interesting developing story from our friends at Inside Texas. And, yes, Rod and I will be on that live stream tonight. If you have YouTube, just go to the YouTube channel of Inside Texas. It's called On Texas Football. It's good stuff. And we'll be there starting just after 7 o'clock tonight yes, talking all things Texas as, as if five hours of – this morning isn't enough, Rod. Let's get to the <laughs> – well, we talk about other things here in the morning, but uh, it's all Texas football on that conversation yeah. tonight on Inside Texas. Let's go to the headlines, trending topics to start your Tuesday. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. College football, seventh-ranked Horns have won 9 of 10 to start 2023, closing in on a clinching a trip to Arlington for the Big 12 championship game in early December. Not there yet, though. Longhorns are 6-1 and one in conference. Uh, they're one game up on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and this week's opponent, Iowa State, who are all 5-2. and two. Win and Ames this week would uh, go a long way to securing a spot in Arlington, but they're going to have to do so and get a win without the services of Jonathan Brooks, team's leading rusher who suffered that torn ACL and his right knee in the midst of another great game Saturday night at his weekly Monday media availability yesterday. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian lamented the loss of his 
team's top offensive weapon, but was confident that freshman C.J. Baxter, along with Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, and Savion Red are more than capable of stepping in and stepping up and doing a great job. Also yesterday, Coach Sark uh, said after watching the film from Saturday night's wins that he was happy with his team's focus and intensity for the first three quarters of that game. Not pleased at all, though, with the fourth quarter and lapses on defense, special teams, and the inability for the team to convert a number of third and short opportunities. We were giving up chunk plays defensively. They were scoring quickly. Uh, and then we didn't operate very good on special teams. We didn't punt the ball like we've been punting all year. Um, we didn't cover uh, on our punt unit like, like we've accustomed to, to, to covering. We get an uncharacteristic, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty uh, on the play that finishes out of bounds. So we did things out of character. And so um, we, we have to do a better job of, of keeping our mental intensity, our focus, and continuing to play the brand and style of football that got us that lead. Um, and so for a team that has been so good in the fourth quarter all year, for us to get outscored 20-3 to three in the fourth quarter, A, I would say is out of character, and B, I would say is unacceptable. Yeah, unacceptable. Get you beat along the way here. Texas and Iowa State Saturday night, 7 o'clock from Ames. Wild one on Monday night football last night to wrap up week 10. How about this finish? The visiting Denver Broncos catch a huge break and pulled out an improbable 24-22 win in Buffalo. Despite a pretty sloppy night, it included four turnovers for the Bills. They led this game 22-21 with inside two minutes to go. But Russell Wilson led the Broncos on a 10-play drive that set them up for what would be a game-winning field goal. But Will Lutz, their kicker, pushed the 41-yard game winner wide, wide right as the clock expired. Game over, right? Not so fast. Flag down. The undisciplined Bills had 12 men on the field. Lutz gets a mulligan and, of course, nailed it from 36 yards. Denver improves to 4-5. and five. Buffalo falls to 5-5. Five and five. Week 11 kicks off Thursday with a good one. Cincinnati is in Baltimore. College basketball, Rodney Terry and the Longhorns, number 19. In this week's AP Top 25 poll after their 2-0 start, wins over Incarnate Word and Delaware State. Longhorns in action tomorrow night. They're going to face Rice at Moody Center. Uh, by the way, three other Big 12 teams also ranked, including the Kansas Jayhawks, who are number one. Houston is ranked seventh. Baylor is 15th. Texas women ranked number 11, and they're eighth in the AP poll on that side. Vic Schaefer's women also 2-0. They're going to play tonight, hosting UT Arlington down at Moody Center. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capital Area Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, so uh, one thing we were talking about earlier uh, with Sark, and we'll play the sound when we go behind the burnt orange curtain. Um, I do think at this point, unfortunately, Sark has, like myself, has come to the conclusion that they're not going to be able to solve some of these problems that they have, especially on defense. Um, I don't know if he has uh, resigned to that fact on offense yet because he's the guy on offense. Uh, but I think after studying the defense <laughs> uh, for some time, I think he's come to the conclusion that some of these issues that they have late in games, he collapses. Uh, the pass defense, the uh, inability to communicate, pass off routes and coverage. I'm not going to say he didn't throw PK under the bus, but, man, he, 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 he actually took some shots at the defense overall. Do you hear what he said about the 7-on-7 seven seven that we wouldn't have even uh, – when, when he was talking about the Savion Williams uh, curl route that he caught that turned into like a 50-yard play or whatever because it was a catch and run and he ran away from the Texas defense? He, Sark basically said we wouldn't have caught – we wouldn't have pulled this flag in 7-on-7, seven seven, essentially. I don't think I've heard him be that harsh about the defense in a while. 
Yeah, he was not happy with he any, was, any. He was harsh with them. He was. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying they didn't deserve it, by the way. I'm not saying. I'm just saying we haven't heard that from him all season. Usually, he's been a lot more patient and you know and positive. Yeah, well, I think he wasn't so patient and positive this week. Well, I think it. he senses how close they are to doing something disastrous. You know, well, disaster. disaster, but all really great, but also disastrous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, like having a really both. great season, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, derailed. And because I, I was thinking the same thing, like. You know, the, the, the big chunk plays and the quick touchdown drives, those have been common. You know, K-State did it. Yeah. Uh, Houston you did it. did it. Yeah, I've been having it for, did for it. a month now. But we haven't <laughs> heard Sark, you know, get this far frustrated with it because it's it, it almost like it's not getting fixed. It, it's you not. Know? And that's not my side of the ball, y'all. I mean, I'll, I'll own my side. You can criticize me for play calling, but as you said, Sark was trying to, you know, prove a point that we could grind this thing out and, uh, you know, have a quarterback that's got a, you know, a bit of a dinged up shoulder. Yeah. And uh, we need to be able to get three, two yards on third down. He implied that he was not protecting his quarterback, but protecting the defense. Yeah. Remember, that's what he basically, why he said they stay went conservative. He's like, well, our defense was basically getting gassed, so we, we had to slow it down. Yeah, we had to, we had to slow this game down. We had to slow down. this game down. He said yeah. that. Yeah, he did <laughs> uh, yesterday. We're, we're not, and he's frustrated because it's not getting better on that side of the ball and uh, the coverage you know, mistakes and miscommunication and, you know, he cited a couple of times the, the little eight-yard curl route that went for 41 yards oh, and you know, three of the team's best players missed the tackle. He went, he went in on them on that one. And so, that, you know, and I don't think that's wrong for Sark to say, you guys, you know, you, you can't be this focused and intense for three quarters and then slough off. It just doesn't – you're going to get, you know, 20 points can evaporate quickly, especially on the road. And as he said, the K-State game evaporated because of our own mistakes. We started – kept giving them the ball. Mm-hmm. And getting punts blocked and, you know, throwing it to them and dropping it and all those kind of things. Uh, then that got them back in the game. TCU, as I said yesterday, TCU just stopped making mistakes of their own, yep. which was derailing them in the first half, which was kind of their scouting report. And they started playing some pretty good football with a young quarterback who got hot. So, you know, it's, it's, it's you, you, can, you can beat Iowa State, but you also can lose to Iowa State if you have a quarter of bad play. No question. Uh, they're sitting at 5-2, and two and you're more talented than them. But, man, they know their, their identity. They play to their strengths. They know exactly what kind of football team they are for Matt Campbell. Uh, so we'll get ready for that game. Yeah, Sark, Sark again, I think it's, he understands there's a pending. Because, look, they haven't locked up a spot in the Big 12 championship game yet. There's, there's four two-loss teams right behind them. They got one if they more. stub their toe, now it's a two-loss team that you are. And now it becomes tiebreakers. And now you do not want to find yourself in that conversation going into the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, so secure this thing. Uh, and it takes a good week of practice. And, you know, he said he challenged the team. Uh, by the way, on our uh, Quinn Ewers conversation, of course, that leads to a bunch of questions from the, the listeners. We appreciate that. Yes, sir. This says, uh, what about Arch if Quinn stays? It says, what about, uh, you know, this says Quinn Ewers and Shadur Sanders battle to be the first quarterback off the board in 2025. That's a uh, good point. Okay. Could be. See that. And several people ask, how does Quinn's decision affect Manning's? Look, we don't know that. I mean, we can sit here and speculate. I'll cite again. Arch, Archie Manning did an interview with Sports Illustrated in which he said his grandson loves Texas uh, and cited Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. His his son Eli went to Ole Miss and redshirted one year, sat the next year, and then yeah. started the rest of the way, and it was a great way for him to go yeah. and indicated that that would be okay with Arch too. But, again, we don't know. You don't um, know. And, you, and, you, and, and, and because of that, as he just put it, uh, and I think is an astute point nobody knows, you can't build uh, your quarterback room and construct your quarterback room with fear of hurting a quarterback's feelings or fear that a quarterback may leave. you got to make the best decision for the team at the time and based on the competition and based on the evaluation. And if a quarterback leaves because he's not playing, he's going to leave. That's just the way out of the oven. That's uh, the blue chip. I think the blue chip transfer rate now is at 65%. That means if you bring a blue chip quarterback on your campus, there's a 65% chance they're going to leave. 
<laughs> because, hey, only one can play, right? And when that one plays, especially if he's young, because younger quarterbacks are playing more, he's going to be around a while. Uh, and that's why those quarterbacks, they choose to leave. We're all shocked that Malik Murphy decided to stay when he did because there are other opportunities. So with that being said, you've talked about how you think it's good, actually, that the quarterbacks are getting these opportunities because it, it offers better evaluation. You can go play somewhere for longer. You play longer. The NFL has a thorough evaluation of you, and you can increase your draft stock. So I think ultimately – you know, Sark is going to make the best decision for the team. I know you got celebrity quarterbacks to consider, uh, but you can't worry about that, man. Guys are going to leave. They're going to leave anyway. Well, They're going to leave. And I would also say to the Arch Manning question, I do think Malik Murphy would be seeking, if there were three guys in one yeah, ball, yeah. and Arch Manning's one of the names, I think he would be seeking a starting spot somewhere. And he's, he's, earned, that, he's earned that right. Uh, and Arch could too, but I would say that the family, the Manning family, the first family of football, uh, they understood this when they when Tegi signed here. If he wanted to play soon, he would have gone somewhere else. He's going anywhere. Keep that in mind. He go like eighty percent of schools and played right away. So again, we're 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 speculating, but you can you can make educated guesses and educated special speculation. You know, Cooper is the father, right? Cooper was the the, mm-hmm. the, the probably the best athlete of the Manning boys who never got a chance to fulfill his football dreams because of an injury, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so he's big on the business degree. He's big on Cooper coming to the Macomb School of Business or Arch getting a Macomb School of Business degree. Yeah. That that was important to him. He has said that openly that 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 school. Uh, you know, he almost went to Texas, and he really wants him to study business, get a degree. Things bigger than football happening in Austin, Texas. So, uh, the grandfather. They, look, the, the Manning family, whatever they are, they're they're celebrity quarterbacks. But at the same time, they have really good perspective on football totally life. I mean, I remember when Peyton came back when no one thought Peyton was coming back mm-hmm. for his fourth year at Tennessee. He did. Uh, and then battled, uh, for, never won a championship, but he battled George Charles Woodson for the Heisman Trophy and all that was going on. Uh, Eli, as we said, Eli's track was red shirt and sit for a year, which that could be the track of Arch Manning. It could be. It could uh, very well be the case. I mean, he could yeah. red shirt this year. Well, because I know that they don't want him to have a shaky start. Either. They don't want a shaky start to his college career with a lot of growing pains. They like him to be as acclimated and as well-adjusted as possible Yeah, I don't, with the scheme and everything. Yeah. They don't want to go out there and, and have a bad look for the Mannings. I, look, this isn't to compare tracks or families, but, you know, Quinn, yours family has had a track for their son to be fast track. into the NFL quickly. Yes. It doesn't feel like that's the Manning case, right? They no. know his, his NFL future is out there. I agree. But let's have a great college experience. Mm-hmm. Let's pick a college you really want to go to. Because, again, if he wanted to play sooner, he could have gone anywhere and played this year if he had wanted to. Yep, no question. Uh, so he chose this place for a reason, knowing Quinn Ewers would be here. And, you know, you can think that he was going to leave, but there was no guarantee that Quinn was going to be not here for a couple of years when you walk in. So we'll follow that. Uh, but as you said, first things first, let's handle business in front of you, which is Iowa State. Damn right. Damn done. right. Get her done. But uh, I know that's always a, a good topic of conversation. But uh, the end of the, the, the – We love it, talking quarterbacks at Texas. We just love it. We just love – Everybody does, we got, when we got a quarterback, we still want to talk about it. We had, we had a quarterback, a stable starting quarterback. We're like, let's talk about – I don't think league. that's unique to Texas. I think that's kind of – yes, at Texas for sure because uh, – we always got a, we got celebrity well, especially when you have we get celebrity cues. That's right. Well, you live, you were in the locker room with yeah. your guy Sims and Applewhite, and I was on the radio at that time. Uh, oh yes. man, could you imagine if Twitter was a, was going on back then? How oh my god, crazy! I can't the Longhorn Nation would have been. Oh, they man. still get riled up when you talk Sims Applewhite. I still, if I bring it up randomly, I'll still get a random person to well, cuss to keep cussing out Chris Sims. Or well, you told me Chris Sims has never been back to Austin since he left. He uh, has he, such bad memories of this yeah, place. He's, he's, That's he's so got, sad. He got treated pretty badly. That's a terrible Slashing thing. his tires and having to change his phone number and getting death threats and stuff. It people are mean. Not you people. That's, yeah. Some of you people Some of you people there. are out of control. I will also say that it is good to be back talking about this because having done the radio show as long as I have, Rod, 
you know, I've now gone through the decade where they couldn't find a quarterback. Quarterback hell. We were debating, mm-hmm. it's going to be Case McCoy again? It's quarterback hell. Is it going to be the 18-wheeler package? Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be the quarterback? Oh, uh, yeah. Because the decade before that, it was. It was Sims Applewhite. Then it was, you know, well, Chance Mock's better than Vince Young. And then it was, Vince. well, Major, is it is Jevin Sneed? And then is oh, it going to be Shane Riches? It's like, come yeah, on, man. So many great quarterbacks. That's a good problem, time. by the way. Yeah. It's it a great strange. problem to yeah. have. Uh, and Texas is back into that 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 cycle because Sark has game, recruited yeah. very highly uh, at a high level at that position, uh, really all the positions. We'll come back when we do because that's the other part for Arch Manning. You you can sit here and see the talent that's coming in. The O line, you are knowing around. You know Quinn's going to be gone eventually, and yeah. you can be you know playing with this group uh, and these players for the next several years in the, in the Southeastern Conference. That's a good thing. It's uh, a great thing. Uh, I'm with you on that. That's a good point. All right. We'll co- and he's helping to recruit some a lot of these guys, right? Helping to bring the Colin Simmons in because he, he wants to play. He might well. be your top recruiter right now. I mean, he's he's right. He's heir apparent for the first family of football. Yeah. Hey, good debate. <laughs> we come back. Rod uh, gets more behind the burnt orange curtain. We go off the record before the end of the hour. Do you see what's happening with the F1 drivers in Las Vegas, Rod? Las State Vegas. State of Nevada. You know they're going to do an F1 race in Vegas. Ooh. I got details. And off the record, it's hook them up with Ian Rod B. Research Boulevard headed toward Mopac. Looks like we're clearing that crash near McNeil, but further south, you'll note uh, some delays heading to the Mopac interchange. Just south of 183, a wreck reported there, too. Back up all the way toward Wells Branch Parkway. Now, I-35 in the Georgetown Brown Rock area looking a lot better. Toll 130 is actually easing up, too, so that's good news, but we're trying to clear the crash south of 290 on the interstate southbound. Looks like doing a pretty good job of that. Northbound I-35, really slow. I mean, very, very slow from Onion Creek Parkway all the way to downtown. Solid line there. We are getting word of a crash. This is going to be on Ben White. Looks like it's on the westbound frontage near South First, and uh, so that's a problem. FM 969 near Toll 130. Northbound Toll 130 could be backed up. Burned at Shoreline, a crash there. Uh, William Cannon, McKinney Falls Parkway. We've got another one reported there. And Lake Creek Parkway, Con Park, still dealing with that crash from a little bit earlier. The list goes on. I'm Don Miller, and that's traffic. New windows are a requirement for a homeowner, folks. Listen, if you bought a builder grade, a home with builder grade windows, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, uh, it's just like when you buy a home or buy a car, you just know there's going to be maintenance that you are required to, to provide that house, right? Uh, you need to put a new roof on it if the roof gets, you know, gets old. You've got to put new tires on your car. And with a home that has builder grade and old neglected windows, you have to upgrade those windows. I mean, it's just you're spending so much money on your electricity bill. Your home isn't comfortable. It doesn't in the hot summers. It's the air conditioner never can keep your house at a constant temperature. It's constantly blowing, and that's money blowing right out your windows. When it gets cold, obviously, you can never keep the house warm enough. Uh, and, it, and, and look, let's be, be honest. When the builders build the homes, they're just going to put the, the builder grade windows in it. Uh, that's just what they're going to do to cut costs. You have to, to upgrade, and that's where Window Nation comes in. We love working with Window Nation because as a homeowner, they make it so simple to upgrade the windows with the best company in the world. You know, the windows from Window Nation. Window Nation, the largest non-franchise-owned window company in the world. Uh, they're the best. All of the windows that you would install in your home are made in Fort Worth, Texas. And everything that comes with those windows, uh, you know, bringing the energy bill down, constant temperatures in your home, uh, the tinting that goes on the windows to cut down glare in your house. The, your house is more comfortable t- 365 days a year, and the install is going to be phenomenal. The people are great. And now they're going to make it, energy, in addition to making your home energy efficient and more valuable, 
They're going to make it very affordable to you at, uh, with this offer in the month of November at Window Nation. All you got to do is call them, 866-90-NATION. That's 866-90-NATION. Or go to the website, windownation.com. Uh, the offer right now in November, buy two windows, get two free with no interest for five full years. Talking about half price on windows, essentially. You can update your whole home with the partner of the Dallas Cowboys. But, man, improve your home. Uh, it is phenomenal, a great way to go. They're making it affordable here this uh, into the holiday season with the two free, two windows, two free, no interest for five years, nothing down, no deposit whatsoever, and you get those brand-new windows you're going to love forever. 866-90-NATION. It's 866-90-NATION, or just go to windownation.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. So one other thing on the Quinn, yours is a conversation we're having. Look, if he... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If he is trending towards coming back, and now according to Inside Texas, is Bobby Burton. According to folks he's talked to, kind of 90% that Quinn would be back for a another season at Texas, not into the NFL draft. You know, whatever ramifications that has for your quarterback room, that's a good thing for your program, Rod, to bring back a third-year starting quarterback who's looking to gain more and more experience and lead your locker room. Yeah, I know. It's, we were talking about how much talent Texas is going to lose next year. Um, that could be a great equalizer for you if you're using a lot of, losing a lot of skill talent but bringing back a veteran quarterback. Because, yeah, look, whoever the quarterback is. And a veteran O-line. Yeah, a veteran O-line. A veteran O-line. You lose, what, one guy? Christian, Christian Jones. Jones. Yeah. And the he, one guy you lose. And you probably can look at Cam Williams or one of those mm-hmm. guys uh, filling in there. Be big, man. You're going to replace a lot of skill talent, but the meat and potatoes on the offensive side is there. C.J. Baxter would be a year in the weight room. and uh, So, yeah, and they continue to recruit at a high level. Uh, but, man, you said it, the equalizer, the cheat code, is a third-year starting quarterback who's you know looking to improve his yep. footwork and another year and hit him in the weight room and improving his body and all those things. Look, I mean, you, next year, whatever, you're moving to the SEC. It's uh, happening. And I don't care if it's Malik Murphy or Arch Manning. You do not want to move into the SEC with a first-year starting quarterback if you could prevent it. Nope. Now, I if you don't. have to, you will. Uh, but, man, to have a third-year starter of the caliber of Quinn, that would be huge. That would be, be phenomenal. For the program. So that is good news. And I know at least a lot of people say, what about Arch? What about Arch? What about Malik? That will play itself out. Uh, it will. Um, but, boy, any coach would tell you, man, give me him back. Give me him back for one more year. No doubt. Uh, to season. That's a good piece of news potentially for the Longhorns. We'll get back to some of the other big coaching carousel stories because here's the thing, Rod. Uh, last night uh, we recorded Mike Craven and I uh, from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We oh, recorded nice. our latest edition of the Eyes on Texas podcast and multicast. And uh, Mike, of course, is working – long days at Dave Campbell's Texas football because he doesn't just cover Texas. He covers all the schools with Jimbo Fisher out. Man grinds. I mean, it's uh, – Oh, yeah. Now it's, it's now it's a carousel in Texas. Yes. Going to hit fast forward. Well, he's – that's what he's trying to – we'll, maybe we'll Speed talk up. to Mike tomorrow on the oh, show. that'd be great. Because he's, he's like, okay, look, I mean, if, if, if you know, if, if Jimbo – if Jeff Trailer, let's just say if Jeff Trailer were the replacement at A&M. Well, that's going to open UTSA. What does that mean for G.J. Kinney? What's going to happen at Rice? What's going to happen at UTEP? What's going to happen? Um, there's a lot of dynamic. And there's a lot of talk that Dave Aranda is running out of time at Baylor. 
Uh, that, that Baylor too, could man. open. Well, if Baylor opens, Ooh, yeah. is that a place Jeff Trailer could land if he's not going to end up at A&M? I mean, these are all in – Dana Holgerson Ooh. might be on thin ice at a Houston, uh, Rod. Hey, man, Jeff Trailer at U of H, oh, <laughs> that, is, that would be a problem for everybody. Agreed. Because Houston's a sleeping that, – that's a sleeping giant potentially. So all that's playing year. out and, uh, in real time. And, you know, one domino knocks another and knocks another. Uh, and it's just it, 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 the ecosystem of coaching, you know, changes so dramatically this time of year. And oh, man. The state of Texas could see seven or eight changes at the major. There's 13 schools. You, know, you could be – if Dave Arand is going to be, you know, oh, yeah, shaky. Baylor's a quality – think about all the, all, the, all the different coaches that have taken over Baylor and had success recently. Yeah. Art Browns did it and, you know, won Matt a Big Rule. 12 title. Matt Rule did it, won a Big 12 title. Dave Aranda come over. Won a, you know what I mean? So, you can go to Baylor and have success. <laughs> and that's young coaches see that and go, man, that might be my shot right there. You ain't got to stay at Baylor. Well, you know who else you is there, a, And you know who else is a hot name? And I, I got a note on this from a, an agent buddy of mine. You know who's a hot name in the coaching carousel is Rhett Lashley at SMU. That makes sense. That you know, yeah. SMU has had a chance to win ten games this year. Yeah, and that would be their first ten win season since the death penalty. No, that makes sense. And you know, these you know, jobs open. He's done a really good job, and they've, they've done it with different quarterbacks too. They've kind of brought in Preston right? Stone was the yeah. starter to begin with, but that's something to keep an eye on. It's, it's not just Jimbo Fisher and A and M. The A and M hire will have a trickle-down and a domino effect across college football. It's certainly here in the state of Texas. Oh, yeah. There's no uh, doubt about you know, that. Because when the season's over, there are going to be some, some departments making some hard decisions, like Houston, like Baylor. I don't think any of those are going to move during the season. When the season's over, they're going to try to get ahead of this curve. Uh, Rice with Mike Bloomgren, uh, mm-hmm. even though they think he's doing a good job. Uh, there's those that think he could find another job somewhere, right? You just don't he, know he, how this yeah, all plays out. He's been there, what, dude, not a while. Uh, six years. Like six, yeah, six, six years, years. He's been there a little while. So keep an eye on that uh, in addition to Jimbo Fisher and, and the, the Aggies vacancy, which – The Aggies starting up this coaching carousel. Good for y'all, man. Yeah, they, they got it going, and they got it early. And I think the re- people are wondering why they did this early. It's because of the early recruiting window. Even Sark brought that up, actually. Yeah, Sark about it. And Sark said the, the recruiting window is why you're seeing coaches get fired earlier. Yep. Yeah. Well, because – and Sark understands that because when he got here, he didn't get here till early January. He, I think he mentions that as well. He's like, I got here, yeah. Early January. Bit, yeah. I had 18 commitments. I didn't even met him. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. I, I didn't recruit any of them. They turned out to be Jonathan Brooks, yeah, great JT class. Sanders. Fantastic class, yeah, no doubt. All right. Let's uh, go behind the burn orange curtain. We're talking Texas football and college football on Hook'em Up. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind – all right, so there are a lot of issues the Longhorns are going to be dealing with heading into Iowa State Week, a true road game for them in Big 12 play. The biggest issue facing this team, the biggest obstacle uh, now facing uh, this team, especially offensively, <clears throat> is the lack of their bell car running back, losing Jonathan Brooks for the season. Obviously, it's heartbreaking for that young man who was the Doak Walker uh, Award frontrunner, at least one of them, and potentially going to be the first running back taken off the board if you looked at pro football focus uh, early draft uh, projections. Uh, but that is not going to be the case for Jonathan Brooks. But here's uh, Sark talking about the loss of uh, Jonathan Brooks and, and what he's meant for the team so far. You know, naturally, losing Jonathan uh, for the season is a, is a tough blow for us. Um, you know, I've, I've said this about a couple other backs that were here before him, but you know, I think the one thing that, that probably stings most for us as a team is 
the teammate that Jonathan Brooks is. Uh, he's a better person than he is football player, and he is a heck of a football player. He's a great runner. Uh, he can pass protect. He can, he's a weapon out of the backfield catching the ball. Um, so naturally, uh, that creates a void, uh, but that also creates opportunity. And so he'll be missed. Um, he'll be with us, and we're going to support the heck out of him uh, like, like we have in his entire time here, and he, I think he understands that. And I know those other backs are going to need his support, and that's what, where our culture has got to shine through. Uh, but obviously it creates opportunities, obviously, for, for C.J. Baxter, uh, Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, Savion Red, um, and those guys are more than, than capable of, of doing a great job. So systematically, uh, things will not, will not change for us on that front, um, and we've got a lot of faith in those guys that they're going to perform at a high level. Uh, there's Sark talking about the loss of Jonathan Brooks. Uh, the next cut is Sark talking about the running back room overall. He just hinted uh, they're going to need all hands on deck. We actually don't know exactly what's going on with Keelan Robinson. He was not available uh, in that TCU game, but you do have C.J. Baxter, of course, who looks healthy. Uh, you do have uh, Jaden Blue, who also looks really explosive. And you got Savion Red. Here's Sark talking about how the running back room has to step up after Jonathan Brooks went down. No, I, I think that's fair. You know, I think that we have, you know, uh, a, a little sample size on those guys from in-game. We've got a much bigger sample size from them from a practice perspective. You know, I think one thing where we're fortunate, you know, timing is in, is is pretty incredible in that CJ's really 100% healthy again. And, you know, I'd feel really uncomfortable if this would have happened a month ago um, because Cedric was, was really struggling with his foot. Uh, for, for him to be healthy, I'm very confident in that. I think we've naturally seen over the last couple weeks, you know, we've been, you know, kind of injecting Jaden Blue a little bit more into the offense. So I think his comfort level of playing, and he's had some carries. He had the long touchdown run versus BYU, um, where I think his comfort level will be there. And obviously he's playing a ton on special teams. I think obviously with Savion Red, you know, we've we've incorporated him into our short yardage offense and the Wildcat stuff. So he's carried the ball at some critical moments of some games, and we've asked a lot of him. So I don't think the moment will be too big for him. And naturally the experience of Keelan of just the player that, that he's been over time. And so, um, you know, we feel comfortable that we have those four guys and that core of guys. Um, you know, it's obviously it's Monday and we're still working through the game plan of exactly how it'll all roll out. But we're comfortable with those guys going in the game and playing. We're hardwired. All right, there's Sark uh, talking about the, uh, the, the running back room and how it's got to step up. All right, the, this cut here, though, specifically, I think this is the cut where Sark – Takes a couple of shots at the Texas defense, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so Sark was asked about the pass defense, which has struggled in the second half of the uh, the uh, second half of these games, three out of the last four uh, games for the Longhorns, and that U of H game, the K State game, uh, obviously a TCU game too. Uh, here's Sark when he's asked about what's happening with the pass defense and how Texas, you know, per, how Texas plans to fix it. I, I think it's probably a combination of things, you know. Um, you know, I think in the first half the other night, we gave up 98 yards passing, okay? In the second half, we give up 200 and something yards passing, you know? And, and, and why is that? Is, you know, we, we were looking at, did we call it as aggressively? You know, and I, I think there's something to be said about that, that maybe we can stay a little bit more aggressive. Uh, two, um, you know, are the players feeling to, like, well, 
they're behind, let's make sure I don't give up a big play, and they're looking at the scoreboard, they're watching the clock. We, we, we've got to maintain the mental intensity and focus of we're trying to be a dominant defense. It's not about what's on the scoreboard. It's about playing that play in the most dominant manner. And I don't think there's, there's a better example of a play, like I said, than the eight-yard curl route they throw. And we've got you know, three of our pretty good defenders that are you know, all trying to leverage the ball we don't leverage the ball, and we don't. I don't know if we get him in flag football. And he runs down the middle of the field and jumps over the next guy, and, and we look like a shell of ourselves defensively of, of who we really are. And so, one a there's there's calling it aggressively, two there's playing it aggressively and playing fast and physical defense the way that w- that the standard is. And the standard is the standard, and it's not what the scoreboard says or how much time's left on the clock. And so, you know, I, I think in the end. If, when you start to play not to not to make a mistake, not to give up plays, naturally you're going to start to give up plays and, and you're going to start to drift in coverage and let people get open. And so we need to stay aggressive in our play calls. We need to stay aggressive in our style of play. Um, and we need, to, we need to play a physical brand of football. And I think that that's something that has – starting and slowly have become a trademark of ours that we try to punish you we try to punish quarterbacks we try to punish runners we try to punish receivers when they catch the ball and we did not do that in the fourth quarter and it looked like seven on seven out there and too many times even when we got a pass rush and we we were affecting the quarterback it was too easy of of a throw and catch and now we're trying to rally and play in space we need to make we need to make tight tight quarters on people we need to make contested catches and challenge catches and get tips and you know, overthrows and get interceptions. And, and we just didn't do that in that, that second half. So we've got to get back to that. You gonna start talking about they got to get back to it. Yeah, seven on seven. Dang, look like seven on seven <laughs> out yeah, there. Seven on seven out there. That's not uh, the first time this year it looked like that. Exactly. But, you know. Exactly. That's kind of that, the kind of point that I think we were getting to is that Sark is visibly and obviously frustrated with the defense because we saw the we saw these issues rear their rear its ugly head, right? Um, we saw these issues arise uh, probably after the U of H game, actually during the Oklahoma game. But that was the, probably the first time a team exploited and exposed Texas uh, in that manner. And then in the U of H game, we saw it, I think, probably the, it's probably the worst uh, that we had seen it all season long in terms of the defense being exposed in a shootout. And he were, he were up by 21 points in that game. Um, so I think Sark is now frustrated because – They've tried to fix these issues, some of the things I brought up. Like internally, in-house? Yes, uh, you know, the communication in the back end, trying uh, the inability to pass off receivers in coverage, in their match zone coverages, um, the, the, the inability to, to defend targets to bunch, uh, the inability to defend the inside cuts. These are things that I've been talking about here on these airways for the last, what, five, six weeks um, and now I think Sark's looking at it and going, all right, we tried to fix it, and we can't fix it. What's going on? And I think this him, him publicly kind of calling out and taking shots at his defense, I think that's him uh, just being frustrated and coming to the conclusion that this defense is probably going to deal with these deal with these problems and deal with these issues for the rest of the season. They're not going to resolve themselves or resolve them, period. Uh, good stuff right there, Rod. Good stuff from Sark. And, uh, yeah, you got to you know, keep, keep the thumb push, pressed down because this is uh, tenuous. you got a good chance to do something really special and be back in the Big 12 title game and achieve one of your 
you know, off-season goals and win a Big 12 championship or play for one. Uh, but you can stub your toe here uh, if you keep doing the yep. some, keep making these mistakes. All right, we'll come back. When we do, it is uh, off the record. Uh, some stories you probably maybe haven't heard, but you need to, Russ. Sure you is. need to hear them, uh, including. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break my head cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Yeah, we told you uh, 30 years ago this week, and actually yesterday, the anniversary of the first ever ESPN College Game Day on-campus broadcast, Rod. Nice. On-campus broadcast. It was at South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame hosting Florida State 30 years ago this week. But it was also 30 years ago today, Rod, that the Miami Dolphins coach Don Shula picked up career win number 325 which earned him the NFL record. He still holds the record at 347. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's catching that anytime soon. It ain't Belichick. It ain't be- and he was the only one that was even going to be close to it, right? I don't know if that, that – that may be an unbreakable record, honestly. It's a big day, by the way, because also on this day, 22 years ago, the Bernie Mac show premiered. Were you a Bernie Mac fan? Uh, yeah, I was a fan of Bernie Mac. We're one of the original kings of comedy, right? And Yeah, in 98. Mm-hmm. Actually, 20, in 25 years ago, Carmen Electra married Dennis Rodman. Wow, that was yeah, that was a that shock. Was wild, wasn't? Didn't Dennis Rodman wear the wedding dress? I think he did. I want to say they were he wore the six months ago. Yeah, I want to say two months later. I want to say he's the one that wore the wedding dress, if I'm not mistaken. And <laughs> you'll like this one. Twenty years ago, this day, the 14th of November, Jay Z released the Black Album. Ho, ho, ho! Oh man, I like that. Yeah, yeah. man, the Black Album is a classic. It yeah. is. It's one of his greats. 20, 20 years ago. I like that. So pretty historic November the 14th. Mm. A lot going on this day. What do you have there, my friend? Um, a little trash. I mean, we talked about how golf could use, you know, a little bit more petty. And it seems like that the live beef and, you know, Roy McElroy going off all the time is really um, – Kind of added some petty, some much-needed petty to golf. Well, Brooks Kepka and uh, Bryson DeChambeau had it for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they're going at it. I like it. Brooks um, <laughs> A Rory, Rory McIlroy apparently has called out Patrick Cantlay again uh, because Mr. of the slow play. The, the hat gate incident at the Ryder Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he called him openly a Richard. said, guys, Richard. Yeah. Called him a blank. That's, that's widely thought on the uh, PGA Tour that uh, Patrick Cantlay is kind of a Richard. Oh, really? Oh, so he's not the only one that thinks that. Because his comment was, and they're trying to defuse the situation, but I start, I start having a go at them. He's explaining what happened. Having a go at them. Uh, Joe LaCava used to be a nice guy when he was caddying for Tiger, and now he's caddying for that blank, that Richard. He's turned in, into a uh, – I still wasn't in a great headspace, uh, Roy McIlroy described. So – yeah, basically calling well, that, Patrick can't lay out. Well, that's where, little, uh, that's where little, uh, little rivalries can become big wins is the Ryder Cup because there's so much emotion. And so much on the line. Oh, my gosh. You got, yeah, so much pressure, yeah. and then it, it boils. And it's team golf, right? You're not out there by yourself. You're out there with a group of guys. You're out there with teammates. 
and it can get pretty ugly. So that's good. Yeah, we need more pettiness. You know, especially in golf. golf. Well, and Patrick Cantlay, you know, UCLA guy, he's he's the slowest player, and you know, there's nothing worse than a slow player that knows he's slow and almost intentionally goes slower. Is he? That's what he's doing now. It's like, guys, uh, instead of speeding up when you know, it's like when you're you see somebody crossing the street, and then like the light is about to change yeah. across the street, and then they walk, see they walk slower. Yeah. Like, whoa, yeah, that's whoa, a come Richard. on, that's a Richard move. <laughs> Speed it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm the guy in the crosswalk. I'm I'm hustling. <laughs> Me so. too. I, I kind of like speed it up a little bit. I'll I'm move like, for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about you. <laughs> exactly. Hey, how about this? F1's coming to Sin City this weekend. Uh, Vegas, they're going to try to pull off this F1 race. That's it's going to be, be quite so the spectacle. Cool, man. That is going to be spectacle. Well, you know that, that sphere is going to be wild during that race. Yes. In Vegas, right? Because is it, does it, it's going to be in the background. You can't help, can yeah. help us see it. Well, look, they set up the uh, paddock right there next to MGM and right in that oh, big blank spot. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot that are fearing this because this is all controlled by F1. Normally, like, Circuit of the Americas handles the track and all this. Yeah. F1's handling everything. But good to know that, uh, according to TMZ Sports, famous ch- chicken ranch brothel workers hey. Addison Gray and Alice Little. They're famous? I'm, okay. Here. Let me I'm look at who. What's their names again? Addison Gray Addison. and Alice Little. All right, I'm on it. Uh, they work at the chicken ranch at a brothel there near Sin City, and they are really excited to welcome the race drivers for the first time since 1982. Says, we told the licensed uh, – we're told, according to TMZ, the licensed sex workers are offering special one-on-one sessions at no charge for all the guys on the grid. Oh. See, come wow. on. You guys, these are race car drivers. They don't have a hard time finding companionship. No, nah, they're fine. They got so much bread. And the international <laughs> women on. flocking to come see them. Yeah, you're right. Oh, she's not bad. Allison? I got Allison, Allison Gray, yes. You want to see a picture of Allison? I'm looking at one right here on okay. TMZ. Not so there's a picture. The paddock, the paddock in daytime is unbelievable. The paddock in grandstands with the uh, there, there's there's the sphere in the background. Oh, there's I the bet. big. Uh, cool, what is that? The uh, what's the carnival ride? Huge. Oh yeah, um, I haven't been to Vegas in a while. So <laughs> what do they call it? Ferris wheel. Huge yeah. Ferris wheel. The sphere. It's it's going to be a scene. But they're going to be driving through, like, downtown streets. I know. That's why it's so cool. Strip, man. Like, I don't know how. Yeah, so when they shut down the strip, can a, just a random spectator walk up? Or do you no, have it's to? going to be heavily barricaded. Yeah, so it's like they shut down the whole damn strip. Like, how often do they do that? They probably did it I think for, it's why it's the last race of the year, because it's going to tear up these cars. Yes, but yeah, you're gonna, <laughs> exactly. What, are they going to redo the streets in Vegas? No, that's no, crazy. Not, how often do they shut down the strip in Vegas? Did Never. They, they don't ever do it, right? City that never closed. Well, that's New York, but I want to say they for the draft. There they are no shut, clocks in Vegas. Didn't the NFL draft happen there? It did. I was and there. And they shut down some of it for the draft. Yeah, there was all a, of it. They 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 took over the block in front of okay. uh, right between uh, like where Bellag- they found the Bellagio, Bellagio? Fountain yeah. and, uh, and uh, Caesar's Palace. Uh, okay, across from Paris, which makes sense because that's their gambling partner, I think Caesar's. Yes. Like, yeah. Well, on the draft was held. If you go across Caesar's Palace down the promenade, it was the back down that that okay. area back in the back. Man. So. Uh, I was there. It was cool. That you know, is this cool. is the whole city. The whole damn city. Yeah, you got a, you got a race. Vegas? Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's wild. Yeah, That's I can look cool. forward to that. That's this weekend, but they can get some free uh, free action. Good job. <laughs> Everybody in Vegas. Everybody on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Hook them up. <laughs>